0: Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from John and Jolene Hamill.
1: Brennan and I welcome you as family, and we welcome you. Come on, let's welcome them tonight. John and Jolene Hamill. Come on, let's make them feel welcome tonight. Well, let's uh, stay standing if you've... Back to your seat. It would be inappropriate to receive such a warm welcome and not welcome you in return into our hearts and our lives. And Brian and Bren, it is an honor to join with you, and it's going to be an honor to run with you. From Sarasota to Washington, D.C., how about to Jerusalem? We bring you greetings from Washington, D.C. And I just want to teach you a declaration. Brian said to be bold and teach you how to declare like a lion. So I'm just going to declare some things here and open us up with one declaration that our forefathers went into battle with a cry, No king but Jesus, during the Revolutionary War. They fought a battle to birth this nation, and we are in a battle right now to uphold, preserve, and perpetuate the flame of freedom that's been entrusted to us. And uh, when the British negotiators came to say, hey, we don't really want to do this war thing. We like you being our loyal subjects. We like the revenue that you bring. Let's just work this out. The reply from the Americans was, sir, we will have no sovereign but God. And no king but Jesus. Can we just lift our hands together and prophesy over Sarasota? No king but Jesus. Let's prophesy over Tallahassee, no king but Jesus. Let's prophesy over Orlando and Miami, no king but Jesus. Let's prophesy over Washington, D.C. No king but Jesus. While we're at it, why don't we prophesy over God's covenant land and his covenant city of Zion. The Jewish name for Jesus is Yeshua. Can we declare no king but Yeshua? Amen. Amen. Please be seated. My beautiful wife Jolene is going to open us up in prayer. And uh, we're going to do our best to follow the, the house rules, which is to keep some of the prophetic expressions for the house till later but i'm bursting right now and i have a feeling my wife jolene is bursting right now so i i want to just kind of strike while the fire is hot is that okay yeah. all right yeah we
0: were given instruction to well not instruction but but you also told us we're family and we can do what we want. So <laughs> right now, we're just going to put our feet up and do what we want on the coffee table. Yeah. Um, right before we came here, and I have, I have a lot of dreams. And right before we came here, I had a dream. And in the dream, it was very, very short. But the section of the dream was we were all in a school setting and someone said, well, are you, are you going to, like, go to class today? And I said, no, it's my senior year. You know how you blow it off in your senior year and you don't go to class. Because you know that you're gliding through and you've already graduated and you know you're moving on to the real important stuff in life. Well, the Lord brought me back to that. And as I prayed into that dream, what the Lord spoke to me is there are many seniors in their senior years that are blowing off class, and the Lord has need of them. Yes, wow. And then when I walked in the prayer room today, I heard the Lord say, Where are my Sarahs in Sarasota? Where are those who think that their best productive years are over? That many people come and prophesy about a youth movement, but there is a building of the covenant promise from the Lord to Abraham, and these are your Abrahams. There is a covenant promise that it is going to come through Sarah. So I heard the Lord say... Call to my Sarahs in Sarasota and tell them that their productive years are not over and they cannot blow off this season of their life and that they are very important for this house because the Lord is going to begin to build covenant promises for this house yeah. so if we would all bow our head i just want us to call in the Sarahs yeah. of sarasota yeah the lord said i name this place sarah soda because they are the sarahs that i am bringing in in this hour and they are laughing thinking can anything productive come for me in these hours and they feel like they've given their productivity to the work world they've given their productivity when they raise children they've given their productivity in the years past but the lord says 'You're.'" best days are yet ahead and I call you in Sarah Sarah's of Sarasota come into this house and build the covenant promise says the Lord
1: there's just one more thing you need to share with. Oh,
0: have a good day
1: I have a, a a word for the house as well. I feel that's very, very pertinent. In fact, God is arising to establish the covenant that he swore to Abraham and Sarah, isn't he? I mean, this is what it's all about. And uh, there's promises that are inherent to this ground. We're going to talk tonight about turnaround. But I want to start in Jeremiah 32 because I had a vision here uh, of title deeds springing up. I saw title deeds to mortgages just springing up. It was almost like a sea of title deeds. And I, I saw them just springing up like water would spring up from a well. And I think it's no coincidence that you are uh, uh, here for a season in a house of realty. You know that your real estate is tied to your promise from the Lord, and it is tied to your inheritance and your children's inheritance. There, there's no better picture of that than the Bible. Many, many of our fathers taught replacement theology because at the time that they were living, they had no cognizance that a nation called Israel was going to be reborn. It had never happened in the earth that a nation that had been plundered and abandoned would literally become reborn. And we are on the 70th anniversary of the rebirth of the nation of Israel because God watches over his covenant and he keeps his promises to his land and to his people. And that is all tied to real estate. So if you look at the book of Jeremiah. Here the prophet Jeremiah is told by the Lord to buy a parcel of land. They're about to go into exile in Babylon. Everything is looking horrific. The kings are in open defiance of God. And they're prone to throwing the prophets in cisterns or wells, just getting rid of the prophetic voice any way you can, marginalizing the prophets. But the word of the Lord in Jeremiah 32, 6 came to Jeremiah, and it says, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, Hamel, the son of Shalom, I don't know. Your uncle is coming to you saying, buy for yourself my field, which is in Anatoth, for you have the right of redemption to buy it. Say this with me, I have the right of redemption to receive the inheritance that Jesus died for me and rose again to give me. The Rite of Redemption for Sarasota. We'll go on down to verse, which way did it go? Yeah, there we go. Verse 36. Jeremiah, he buys the field, just to put this in context, I'm trying to give this as a prophetic word, so this is a little, it's not really developed. This is kind of raw, undeveloped, that's always the best food anyway, right? So, Jeremiah buys the field, he pays the price for the field, and then he takes the title deed, puts it in a jar in the soil of Sarasota, and buries the jar, the clay pot, so that it would be preserved long after the the enemy forces drive them out. When everything looks like there's no way the word of the Lord is going to be fulfilled, there is a witness in heaven and there is a witness in the ground. Your seed is your title deed. And it's not just the seed that you sow financially. It is what you have lived for and given your life for. There is a vision that you have invested in from the Lord. And there comes a point in time when the Lord says, paid in full, here's your title deed. And sometimes it gets a little confusing. We think once we receive that title deed to our promise, to our inheritance, we can immediately step into it. God told Jeremiah, you're going to put that thing in the ground. You're not even going to experience the fullness of that promise, but future generations are going to experience it. So Jeremiah's title deed's in the ground. You have a brief history of Israel. You kind of know what happens. They get exiled in Babylon. They come back. Uh, uh, Jesus is born. He's raised up as the Jewish Messiah, but he is rejected, and he is cast down into the ground, and he becomes the title deed for all mankind. The seed becomes the deed. The Lord himself presents his own body and blood at the mercy seat of heaven before heaven's court and secures our salvation by a verdict of justice. The deed is secured and released to each one of us, and now we all have an inheritance. But in 70 AD, the Jewish people succumbed to Roman invasions. The temple was taken down. The Jewish people fled to the four corners of the earth into exile, into Western Europe, into Africa, into even Asia, portions of China, Indonesia. They were literally scattered throughout the world. So once again, our forefathers had no understanding When they read the Bible and saw that Israel will figure prominently in the end of days, they said, well, that must mean we are Israel. And so they erased the Jewish heritage and put in our own heritage as Christians. God says, well, my seed is the deed. And what you think I've forgotten about, I haven't forgotten about. And in 1948, against all odds, the nation of Israel, prophesied in the Bible, is literally reborn. It is a miracle that transpired before every eye of every tongue, tribe, and nation on a global level. Israel's reborn. Let's look at verse 36. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning this city of which you say it's given into the hand of the king of Babylon by sword, famine, and by pestilence. Behold, I will gather them out of all the lands which I have driven them in my anger, my wrath, and in indignation. I will bring them back to this place and make them dwell in safety. They shall be my people, and I will be their God." I will give them one heart, one way that they may fear me always uh, for their own good and for the good of their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them and I will not turn away from that covenant with them. I will do them good. I will put the fear of me in their hearts so they will not turn away from me. I will rejoice over them to do good and will faithfully plant them in. In this land with all of my heart and all of my soul. Do you hear God's passion in that word? I'm going to faithfully plant them in the land of their inheritance with all my heart and all my soul. Brian and Bren, I don't know if this makes any sense of your journey, but it's like the Lord took you away for a season. There was a clay pot with a title deed in the ground. And I know intercessors who cried out night and day for the fulfillment of the covenant promise of God. I am dear friends with Mark and Kathy Godlewski, and I know there's many others in here who contended for the dream of God's heart for Sarasota, and it seemed like that dream had literally left. And all of a sudden, the summons came for the children of promise to possess the land and the deed that was a seed became a harvest. And all over right now, there are churches in Sarasota scratching their heads saying, how can a couple hundred people be gathered here in a real estate office after nine months of starting? It's because that title deed was activated the seed was put in the ground we don't always understand our journey and we don't understand all the aspects of what it means to be a seed that is put in the ground but the quickest way for you to secure your harvest is to allow God to do the work to follow him and even if it seems I perish let me perish I'm uh, the seed's going to bring a harvest Verse 42, is: thus says the Lord, just as I brought all this great disaster on this people, so I'm going to bring on them all the good that I have promised them. Fields will be, what? Bought in this land, which you say it's a desolation without man or beast. It is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Men will buy fields for money, sign and seal deeds call witnesses to the land of Benjamin and the environments of, of Jerusalem, the cities of Judah, the cities of the hill country, the cities of the lowlands and the cities of the Negev, and I will restore their fortunes, says the Lord. I'm going to tell you that this very journey of this movement, and it is a movement that God has established and entrusted to you corporately, This movement is bearing witness before the Lord that the seed is the deed and that deed has been entrusted into your hands and now it is time for you to take the promised land that God has called you to take. It's time to take Sarasota. It is time to receive the fullness of God's dream for Sarasota. Yes. I, I, I find it fascinating that P.T. Barnum and the, the, the tent that crossed the nation, encircled the nation, <laughs> the circus was headquartered here. I believe there is a new tent movement that is headquartered here. There is a new tabernacles movement that is headquartered here. In fact, I saw the stake go in and I believe it's going to impact the nation in a very, very significant way. So I just want to cast vision for this right now. If you are believing God for a property or you are believing God to receive the title deed for the property stamped paid in full, I want you to stand to your feet right now. And I know we're going to contend, we're contending now even for this miracle campus that God's going to give you. You just had to be here in the real estate office because that's where you sign the papers. Raise your hands to heaven. Say this with me. Father God, God, I receive receive the title deed deed to the land, land, inheritance, inheritance, calling, calling, and destiny, destiny, provision provision that you have for me. me. By faith I receive it now. It It is in my hand, and I thank you for it. Your name is already signed on the deed, deed. and I sign on that deed. And I I thank you that that deed deed is stamped already already by by heaven's court, court, paid paid in full. Paid in full. Paid in full. Paid in full. In Jesus, name. in Jesus' name.
0: And the Lord says what he sets free is free in deed.
1: All right, you may be seated. Wow. You did catch that, right, when my wife said, free indeed. Don't look at me like that. I just go with what the Holy Spirit's saying, I go with the flow. Learned after 15 years of marriage, just go with the flow. <laughs> if you haven't learned by that by now, we we need to talk because it's pretty important that you pick up on it quickly. And I really believe that there is a move of God that is literally coming forth at this time out of Sarasota, and in fact, this is the Hebrew month of Sivan. This is the the very hour where, do you you remember when Esther was being tormented by uh, Haman, threatened by Haman? It looked like her entire people were going to be wiped out. There was going to be a holocaust at the hands of a deep state guy named Haman who was working a shadow government right under the king's nose. And he had written out a decree, got the king drunk so he couldn't read, and then said, King, sign here. And uh, it looked like there was going to be a holocaust, and Esther stood before her king and received a favorable judgment, a judgment in favor of the saints. Haman... The deep state operative was exposed for who he truly was. And then God tells Esther through her husband, write the decree, Esther, and seal it with the king's signet ring because a decree that is written and sealed with the king's signet ring cannot be revoked. So she and Mordecai write the decree and it is at this very hour of history right now it's the anniversary of the date when that decree went forth to all of Babylon to every province and the Jews were saved instead of annihilated. And then with that progressive promise of God being activated, they were literally released back into their kingdom to repossess the land that had once been theirs. This week is when the decree went forth. So I believe I'm, I'm standing here just in awe of the majesty of the orchestrations of the Lord. You just can't make this stuff up. How many of you know that there is a, a contending for the title deed of this nation? Now, I come from a line of pilgrims. My forefather Richard Warren was one of the original signers of the title deed called the Mayflower Compact, which committed the land and government to God's glory and the advancement of the Christian faith. He was actually the governor of Plymouth, Massachusetts under Governor Bradford. So when Governor Bradford was off visiting negotiating whatever my forefather was the guy in charge large and in charge it's where i get my large and in charge essence and god uh moved us to washington dc where we were living very peaceably in a Nice suburb of Washington, D.C. They had a beautiful grocery store called Wegmans that had just come in. Uh, Starbucks had just opened up. We were living happy when our friend Rick Ridings all of a sudden prophesied uh, to us to move to Washington, D.C. in 2012. And it was interesting how God opened up a door and we moved in a week We still have our home in Frederick. We rent it to folks because God told us to go down. Because he wants to align our nation's covenant with God, with the government that he has entrusted to us. I just want to talk with you a little bit about some of the things that we have seen where we are, and where we are going. Is that okay? Yes. Jolene and I helped uh, a gentleman named Jason Hershey, Hershey start a 24-7 tent called David's Tent. It's going strong today, 24-7, 365 days a year on the National Mall. We can all be grateful for 24-7 worship on the National Mall. It is just extraordinary to see what the Lord has done. But uh, we were serving as the, among other things, um, you know, what we do nationally, we were serving as the prayer coordinators, prayer leaders for David's 10. And the Lord spoke to us in 2015 to shift out of that responsibility Because 2016 was going to be a defining moment in our nation's history. He spoke to us in 2015 about a limited window for national turnaround. I knew that there were people that were covertly tied to the highest levels of the occult and idolatry that we're trying to gain access to the title deed of our nation and use the covenant resources that the Lord had entrusted to us, the freedoms that the Lord had entrusted to our nation, to bring our nation under the banner of global government tied to idolatry, bringing nations into subjugation instead of freedom. And we had a literal limited window of opportunity. If we did not access that window of opportunity, America as we know it would be no more. God summoned us on 7-22, uh, July 22 of 2014, to go to Fanwell Hall, Boston, Massachusetts, Uh, It's known as the womb of the American Revolution. Boston as a whole is known as the womb of the American Revolution. Fanwell Hall is where all the rabble-rousers would gather and meet. Brian and Jen, they would be there if they lived during that time. Paul Revere, Sam Adams, John Adams, you name it. The revolutionaries of that hour of history would meet at Fanwell Hall, and they would cast vision for a freedom nation that would set a precedent among the nations. And God called us back to this freedom hall, this womb of America's freedom, this womb for the nation, to receive a verdict that we did not even know we needed. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Daniel, chapter 2. 7 verse 22. Daniel 7, 22. I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. Daniel 7, 22 is a picture of a verdict of justice rendered by the court of heaven in favor of the saints at the end of days. Daniel 7 as a whole is a chapter that unveils the mysteries of Kevin's court. How many of you know that Jesus is a judge? He is a righteous judge. He sits on the throne of his uh, uh, offspring David, and he judges even nations in righteousness. He is a bridegroom to his people. We know him as the bridegroom. He is a king to his people. We know him as a king but we get a little askew with the idea that Jesus is a judge. When we think of judgments of God, what we think of is tornadoes, especially in in Florida, hurricanes. How many of you ever heard a hurricane called it's the judgment of God? You know, God's judgment is his justice being executed on behalf of his people the ultimate verdict of justice in favor of the saints was when Jesus again presented his own body and blood at the mercy seat before heaven's court in order for the body and blood of Jesus to be accepted by heaven's court as uh, 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 valid for the redemption of mankind, of you and me. That evidence was scrutinized just like any evidence issued into or entered into a courtroom is scrutinized. They looked to make sure that Jesus led a sinful life because if he had committed sin, the the evidence being presented would be invalid. scrutinized his life. They scrutinized his death. And the Father ruled in favor of the saints in the greatest judgment ever known to mankind, literally redeeming us because that evidence was found to be perfect by heaven's court. I don't need it. You Fast forward, you can see this. Actually, um, in Daniel 7, verse 13, I kept watching in the night visions. Behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming. He came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. This is after the resurrection. Jesus had not yet presented his body and blood when I believe it was Mary Magdalene who came and wanted to give him a hug. And he said, no, no, not yet. And he ascended to heaven and he presented his body and blood. The Bible says here that he was presented before the ancient of days. That is a legal term. And as a verdict... To him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, and all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. This is the verdict that Daniel saw rendered in favor of the saints. But Daniel 7.22 builds on the verdict that had already been established. Daniel 7.22. I kept watching. Verse 21, the horn representing an antichrist spirit was waging war with the saints and overpowering them until the ancient of days came. Judgment was rendered in favor of the saints of the highest and the time arrived for the saints to take possession of the kingdom. Title deed in hand. So I just want to paint a picture. One moment, the saints of the Most High God are stepping out in faith. They are extending themselves in spiritual warfare and in societal engagement. And instead of being celebrated, they are literally being pushed back, marginalized, brought low drained of resources at every turn. The little horn was waging war against the saints and overcoming them. Hate when that happens. I'm going to tell you, living in Washington, D.C., oh, and, and in Metro, D.C. for the past 14 years, we have seen this. How could it possibly been that the name of Jesus could not even be spoken in? in a governmental uh, arena or in, in a uh, military arena, in a military service. You could speak the name of Allah, but you couldn't speak the name of Jesus. How is it that even manger scenes in the town square were torn down? Our values were mocked in the open square. The marginalization of the saints of God It was intentional. It wasn't something that like was being done sporadically. It was absolutely intentional from the highest levels of government in the nation that was birthed in Jesus to perpetuate freedom. So we experienced a measure of this. And I'm not saying that we experience the fullness of what is potentially ahead, but we did experience a measure of it. And the only thing you can attribute it to was a spirit. It was so comprehensive, so overarching. And, and, And this spirit didn't just want to take over America, it wanted to take over Israel as well. Just look at the Iranian nuclear accords that released billions of dollars into the hands of Israel's arch enemies. Just look at the final diplomatic push by our former president and Secretary of State John Kerry when they literally mobilized the United Nations to push through a resolution declaring that the Western Wall, the holiest site in all of Israel, all of Judaism was Palestinian land illegally occupied by Israel. That's the only piece of property that God calls his own throne. The title deed's in his hand. In truth, it doesn't belong to the Palestinians, doesn't really belong to the Israelis, it belongs to him. But he is the one who declared Israel is my inheritance, and Zion is my throne. So this was literally the ultimate slap in the face of God. 722, 2014, we gathered together to receive a verdict again. We did not even realize we needed we got the vision for this maybe a month beforehand, checked, and Fanwell Hall was actually open, so we were able to rent Fanwell Hall. We checked with two folks that we really wanted to have join with us, and that was Chuck Pierce and Dutch Sheets. And with one month to spare, both Dutch and Chuck signed up and said, yeah, we're in. Now you know when you get Dutch Sheets and Chuck Pierce at the very last minute to come to, of all things, a service in in Faneuil Hall, Boston. You know that God's up to something. We've come to call this verdict the turnaround verdict. The reason why we call it the turnaround verdict is once again one t- at one moment the saints are marginalized, pushed back, their dreams are shattered. And the next moment, heaven renders a courtroom verdict. And all of a sudden, these weary, broken saints are released to possess the kingdom. Title deed in hand. Chuck Pierce prophesied that we needed to pray through essentially to the 2014 uh, uh, elections. And so we did. And we saw one of the greatest turnarounds in congressional uh, uh, elections and in governor elections, gubernatorial elections, that America had seen. 2015, we were invited to go to Israel for the second time, just to spend 10 days worshiping the Lord and exploring, not doing a tour or anything. And... Uh, our friend Linda Wyatt said, why don't you come you know, sometime in, in, in early to mid-March? That's when the time's open. We'll all have some special time together. And I, I said, absolutely, let's do it. We bought our tickets for March 8th through March 18th. Because I like Deuteronomy 8.18, God gives power to gain wealth to establish his covenant. We buy the tickets. Jolene gets a really, really good deal on Google Flights or something like that. And so I wake up the next morning after we had bought our our tickets, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me, as you have stood for your elections, so I want you to stand for my elections in my covenant land. And I knew he was referring to Prime Minister Netanyahu. And, and I, I didn't know when Netanyahu was going to have elections. And so I did what everyone should do in times of crisis, lack of knowledge. I consulted with my rabbi, Rabbi Google. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of him too. I googled Netanyahu elections and was just astonished to discover his elections. The date for his election was March 17th of 2015. You're going to be there for the final 10 days of Netanyahu's election with, with, without even knowing And so I said, well, God, I'm from Washington, D.C. and everything, but it's not like I'm, you know, the Secretary of State. What can I possibly do? I knew that I was called to go and repent for where Washington, D.C. assumed that we could rule Zion. But beyond that, I'm like, well, what is it? What what should I do, Lord? I I don't understand. I don't get this. What, What is my assignment here? And the Holy Spirit said, As you stood for your elections, so I want you to stand for my elections in my covenant land. How did we stand? Well, we prayed Daniel seven twenty-two, judgment in favor of the saints, restraining the enemy, and releasing the saints to possess the kingdom. Yes. I said, I said back to the Lord when I saw this, I said, Lord, I don't understand. You gave that promise to America, not Israel. And then I kind of realized in context, he was actually talking about Israel all along. We just borrowed it. (laughs) So we went. Rick Ridings invited us to minister at Sukkot Hillel when we got there. And we prophesied judgment in favor of the saints, restraining the enemy, releasing the saints to possess the kingdom. The forces of darkness that are behind these elections trying to push it the wrong way, they're going to be covenantally and governmentally restrained. Meanwhile, the window of opportunity is going to be open, and the saints are going to be released to possess the kingdom. Chuck Pierce came rolling into town. He invited us to share, and we briefly shared this same vision. And, of course, everywhere we went, everybody came up to us. He said, I I hope that's true. I really do. It's not going to happen. You're a little naive, but, you know, because there was really elections. are really intimidated by what's going on in America right now, and so they're going to just capitulate. But I appreciate your sincerity of heart. We were dining on the evening of the seventeenth with a prominent official, a prominent lady, who was going to Netanyahu's victory party, and she assumed it was a going away party. And she was literally weeping in her soup as we were talking. How could God let this happen? Three hours later, I got a text saying that this is actually a victory party. Netanyahu won. How in the world could that happen? Turnaround. Judgment in favor of the saints, restraining the enemy, releasing the saints to possess the kingdom. Hallelujah. And it was on the walls of Jerusalem on 317. You can actually walk the ramparts of Jerusalem. That The Holy Spirit spoke to me, as you have prayed for Prime Minister Netanyahu and stood for his election so I am going to stand for a turnaround in your 2016 election. And in January 2016 January 5th 2016 I had a dream. I used to work for the Department of Homeland Security. Anybody here work for Homeland Security or any of the intelligence agencies or anything? If you are, don't raise your hand because you shouldn't. Okay, don't. (laughs) But in the dream, Donald Trump had won the contract to restore the Department of Homeland Security. Now, he was just a face in the crowd at the time, an unusual face at that. And I watched as he went to a dilapidated portion of the campus of Homeland Security, and he began to restore that dilapidated portion, a portion that had been completely neglected and therefore made our nation vulnerable. While he was in the back doing this, behind the scenes, you've got to wonder what he's doing behind the scenes because the public facade is not the same as what he's really doing. While he was restoring homeland security, I saw these black women and and, and Hispanic women, and they were shouting to the Lord in a huge procession. I don't know if you've ever been in a procession of blacks or Hispanic folks They get going and it's like an unstoppable train. And they were coming through the gates of Homeland Security shouting praises to the Lord. I knew two things from that. I knew, number one, that Christians were going to be invited back into government. I knew, number two, that in the end, this movement that God is releasing is going to benefit all Americans. It's not just about one race. It's about every tongue and tribe and nation coming before the Lord and receiving the inheritance that God ordained for us. And I love the fact that there are Hispanic folks coming in through the the gates of America. I just want the gatekeeping capacities to be fully implemented to keep the the ones who desire to sabotage our nation out. Okay? I just want to be clear about that. Hispanic folks, many of these folks are the new pilgrims. They're carrying revival in their very being, and they're bringing revival to our nations, including Washington, D.C. Just thought I'd throw that curveball out there. See how you hit it. So I knew that President Trump was going to be the catalyst that God had chosen for the turnaround God wanted to bring a nation. I'm not going to go into this but Jolene and I went on a 50 state tour in 2016 primarily by train called the Turnaround Tour. The Lord told us to circle the entire nation by train representing the turnaround that he wanted to bring our nation. So we didn't get to take a train to Alaska or Hawaii, but everywhere else, literally, we took the train, circled the train, and went right back through our nation. And we had to drive to some states because Amtrak didn't go through it. But we touched every city, ministered in most every state, uh, declaring this Daniel 7.22 turnaround, judgment in favor of the saints, restraining the enemy, Releasing the saints to possess the kingdom. We ended up in some unusual places. There is this lady on the back row in a, uh, a a gathering we had just with maybe twenty people in Washington D.C. And uh, I saw a vision of her. I, I saw the doors. She was in a little, you know, she was just kind of there. I knew a little bit about her, not much. She was wearing a hoodie and just kind of wrapped up in herself, and I, she was kind of startled when I began to prophesy over her. But I saw uh, a pathway to the White House, and I saw the doors of the White House open to her. Didn't think anything more of it. And in October, I got a call from her, and uh, she said, can you come help? I said, sure, thinking she was kind of down the street in our area. I said, where are you? I, she said, I'm at the Trump Tower in New York City. I said, what are you doing there? <laughs> she had volunteered for Trump's campaign and ended up being promoted and, and brought into campaign headquarters. And she called right after the locker room tapes were released. Because it just seemed like everything had gone completely contrary and... There's no way Trump was going to win. People were quitting. She said, would you come pray? So we went to the Trump Towers to the, I think it was the 14th floor where the the campaign headquarters was. And we literally just opened the book to Daniel 722. And we prayed Daniel 722, judgment in favor of the saints, restraining the enemy, releasing the saints to possess the kingdom. She called one week later. He said, did you hear the news? I said, no, what news? FBI Director James Comey has reopened the investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails. I'm not necessarily calling President Trump a saint. He's in process like we all are, but he's one of us. In fact, during the times that are most calamitous with some of the things that he had, there was a woman named Paula White from Florida who counseled him and in the process of counseling him over some of the challenges that he have, have come to light in the news brought him to Jesus. Thank you Florida. Against all odds, Trump became president. It was a genuine turnaround, just like Netanyahu's election was a genuine turnaround. I'm saying this in part because if God is so capable to enforce this verdict of justice by bringing a turnaround to two highly contested elections on an international level, what can he do with your family? What can he do with your justice issue? It's time to approach the bench and ask God for a verdict of justice in favor of Sarasota. And when God renders judgment, he backs it up. You can see in Revelation 19, 11, Behold, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it is called Faithful and True. In righteousness he judges and makes war. He renders judgment, and then he makes war to enforce his judgment in the earth. Are are you following me here? Pretty amazing that one of the first things President Trump happened to stumble upon was a relationship with Netanyahu, brought to a whole new level. Brian was in Jerusalem, and the time when Trump and Netanyahu met in in Washington D.C., he was actually in Netanyahu's office praying. You, you can't make this stuff up. And what has happened? Well, why don't we just take a look at Jerusalem? Well. Where the former regime wanted to marginalize Israel and literally deny Jerusalem as the inheritance of the Lord and the inheritance of the Jewish people, all of a sudden, within one year, Donald Trump stands up against all diplomatic protocol on an international level and says, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel and we're going to honor it. We're going to put our embassy there stake in the ground. The seed becomes the deed. And we now have an embassy before the throne of God. When the Lord spoke to us, began to speak to us in 2015 about what was going to happen with this turnaround before we knew anything about Donald Trump, we heard the Holy Spirit say that I am opening up a window as in the days of Ronald Reagan. And he talked about Ronald Reagan. I had a vision of what was going on before Ronald Reagan. I literally had a vision of President Nixon waving to the crowd and giving his victory sign before leaving disgraced in the helicopter Marine One. I saw in a vision the oil crisis with the cars that were literally uh, backed up for miles just to get a little bit of gas. I, I saw the Iranian crisis where 50 hostages were taken and our... Best special ops guys were sent to rescue them and the helicopter crashed in the desert and it was a disaster. And you might remember on the day that Ronald Reagan got into power, the hostage issue, the Iranian issue was settled. When Reagan stepped in, A godly patriotism began to sweep through the nation again. We began to contend for our nation again in prayer. Our veterans were welcomed instead of spat upon. I live in Pentagon City, and it used to be that the highest levels of our, our, our military could not walk outside of the Pentagon in uniform because they would be harassed and even... fought against, if I could say it that way. President Reagan said, no more. You're going to wear that uniform with pride. The economy began to turn around. Not only with the economy turning, we even saw, by the end of President Reagan's uh, tenure, we literally saw the highest Form of pharaoh governance known to mankind at that time, communism fell. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. And I knew that it wasn't because a president was in office, although he welcomed the Lord in. And he moved according to what the Lord desired. Ultimately, he was a servant in the hand of the Lord to literally bring a shift that brought blessing, freedom, and a reconstitution of the the covenant promise of our nation. And I knew that if we access this turnaround, we would see the same. For every American. If you look at who is in government right now. Mike Pence is one of the strongest believers that we've ever had in government. His wife, Karen, is a diehard intercessor. I could tell some stories about that. We were in the Rose Garden. I'll tell this briefly. We were in the Rose Garden. And uh, President Trump gave a speech, and we happened to be there. It was quite an honor to be there. And uh, so we, we uh, uh, got up to leave, and, and here's Jolene. She never does this. When she's in the presence of leaders, she always holds back. She comes right up to Mike Pence. Stand up, Brian. She comes right up to Mike Pence. I'm looking wide-eyed like, who are you? <laughs> Shakes Mike Pence's hand and then pulls him close and whispers in Mike Pence's ears, there are snipers on the roof of the White House (laughs) taking aim at this woman as she whispers in Mike Pence's ears, we pray for you every day. So I gain a little bit of courage, and I go up to him, and I shake his hand, and I say, sir, what my wife... Said it's true. We pray for you every day. And he, you know, I'm kind of looking down, and he looks me square in the eyes. I kind of, and he, he says, that's really where it's at, is in prayer. I said, yes, sir. I tried to let go of his hand, and he felt my hand stronger, and then he let go. And as I was walking away, he gave me a man punch. A week later, he's addressing a Catholic breakfast, prayer breakfast, and he says, the best moments of President Trump and my time on the campaign trail or out meeting Americans is when someone comes up to us, shakes our hand, and says, sir, we've been praying for you. And he then called the entire prayer breakfast and everybody listening nationwide to re- double their efforts to pray for the president, the vice president, our administration, our intelligence community, our military. He recruited prayer warriors. We've had some pretty rough times with previous secretaries of state like Hillary Clinton and John Kerry, and before that, for sure, Challenges, But the new secretaries of state, the former director of the Central Intelligence Agency, Mike Pompeo, is a strong believer in Christ. Not only is he a strong believer in Christ, but he also stood up against the people trying to muzzle the warnings about the threats of radical Islamist terrorism. this is now the secretary of state the one who's the gatekeeper of america's diplomacy on a global level his first week in office before he even kind of got in and he he ended up in north korea with kim jong un and came back with three hostages that had been released And then he presided over the relocation of the embassy in Tel Aviv from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. You can't make this stuff up. What am I saying? We have a government worth fighting for right now. Not that there aren't mistakes or challenges, but I guarantee you, when you point the finger one way, God points it far and wide, and he's saying, you're guilty of the very things that you're accusing these folks of. It's time to humble yourself before the Lord, and it's time we contend for the dream of God's heart for our nation. I want to bring this to a very quick close, if I can, just to wrap this up that in late January of this year the Holy Spirit awakened me I woke up praying from Acts chapter 4 I believe behold their threatenings and grant to your servants power just kept saying behold their threatenings Lord behold the threatenings of our enemy I woke up just praying that So I went into the our, our, our sanctuary with overlooks all of Washington, DC and prayed and sought the Lord for what He was saying. and what he was saying amazed me. He said, "I am releasing the next phase of execution of my Daniel 7:22 judgment in favor of the saints." He said that this judgment, this verdict is progressive, just like the verdict against Pharaoh was progressive. I have not stopped, and I am now releasing the next phase of execution of my verdict on behalf of the United States of America. I, I do believe that this verdict encompasses... Even the elections of 2018, we have got to do our part. We have got to stand. I'm not trying to be political in any way here. This is a covenantal and governmental issue. Whether you're Democrat or Republican, you align with God's covenant, and you stand for the dream of his heart for this nation, that, uh, that this be one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I'm 100% for you. Let's do this thing together. But I believe this is a move of God, and we are literally seeing the move of God in, in the midst of the, the Washington, D.C. swamp. There's life coming forth, destiny coming forth, but it has to be guarded in prayer. And I believe that this covenant connection between Sarasota and Washington, D.C. is absolutely key to ensuring the future of our nation. So stand with me, if you will. If you want to go on for a couple more nights, we could go further in revival here. I'm awake and alive because of the anointing in this house. It just is amazing. I honor Brian and Bren. I honor you and the torch that you carry for turnaround. And, Lord, we say right now in the name of Jesus that the torch... What, what's your ministry called? My ministry is called Lamplighter. What's your ministry called? Light the fire ministries. Lamplighter and light the fire. Can you make that one up? I believe that the torch for God's turnaround is being released to this couple right now. We say be released. Let the anointing of Holy Spirit be released in Jesus' name. Let the angelic hosts of the Lord Jesus Christ bear witness to this and be released to see the manifestation of the presence and power of God and the breaker anointing unto the turnaround of Sarasota. You've come full circle. Now it's time to possess the land. The title deed is in your hand.
0: Come on, shout to the Lord the victory. Come on. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.